Good morning. We are a friendly bunch, aren't we? How many, how many of us grew up in families that were naturally huggers? How many of us are the other ones, the non-hugging types? Wow, we all have been, no wonder, no one really got up in this area. There's more, there's more waves on this side. Yeah, it's, 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 not, it's not a lack of love, it's just a different way of showing it, right? It's like, I'm, I'm, I'm a strong introvert. So people are like, let's hang out. I was like, sure, alone in our own separate homes, no. Um, no, it is so good to see everyone. Merry Christmas. Uh, if you are wondering, yes, this is a natural Sumatra from Ache, Indonesia. If you're looking for some recommendations on great coffee, we can talk afterwards. Some of you looked like you were curious about that. I'm a coffee guy. Um, and so we, uh, we love good coffee in our house, but we also love the Bible. And we, as a church, we are a Bible-believing group. We are striving desperately together to be a Bible-obeying group. That's not happening accidentally, and it's not happening alone. We do this together. It's intentional. Uh, Christianity is a bit of a team sport. Uh, the only time you find lone, kind of lone wolf Christianity is if you close the Bible. Uh, and we don't want to do that. So we're going to keep it open, uh, as well as our hearts and our homes. And I pray that during this, this whole Christmas season, that it has been encouraging. We know it, it isn't always a joyful season for everyone. We talked a little bit about that last week. For, for many of our families, actually, the holidays are at least a reminder, if not actually a complete memory of people that we've loved and lost, people that aren't at the table. Um, maybe people, I mean, in our family, we had a, it was just, we've, we've got horrible memories, and we've also got unbelievably positive memories around Christmas. But the one thing that we get more than any other story or any other thing we've experienced is Jesus. And so what we've been doing over the last few weeks is kind of looking into, uh, kind of digging into different parts of the, the real story of, of Christmas morning, uh, which surprisingly has not included any Santas. There's someone that's speaking of grieving the loss of someone. There's no like Santa around the manger, right? Um, but that's kind of a part of it. And if we're not, you know, I don't know about you growing up, uh, Santa was kind of a big thing growing up. How many of us was, was it like a big thing in your family? And like the moment of finding out that Santa isn't really destroyed you emotionally. Maybe some of us are like, well, what do you mean, Jeff? What, what are you talking about? I heard the reindeer hooves last night. Uh, seems unlikely. But what's wild to me is just how much marketing is done and actually how American that is. And living in Brazil for the last several years, we ended up finding this a lot is that there's actually a shocking lack of Santa. It's Papa Noel. Apparently Brazilians like German dudes. It's great. So it's this whole kind of German Bavarian vibe. He's a great guy. But down there, winter and summer are flipped. So when you see Papa Noel, he looks like he's about to, you know, he's hanging out in San Diego or something. And it's, it's a different vibe. It just, it doesn't resonate the same way. I don't, the Santa hat, board shorts, it doesn't, you know, whatever. But there's all sorts of marketing, isn't there? And how many of us, it, how many of us in the last 24 hours have seen some form of a nativity scene? Right? I, and I remember... I didn't really occur to me until we were driving into our neighborhood in Brazil. And this is where we lived. 
Uh, and down there, security is a big deal. So most, I mean, you've got very high gates and like double gates. You've got a, a doorman 24-7 that's kind of running it. It sounds scarier than it really is, uh, but you, it, well, it is a little bit scary, but it's, it's, it's important. But when you we were entering our little condominium area, which is what they would call that whole, that your whole secured area is the, the condominium. When you enter that, we had this nativity scene that was kind of tucked in to the, to the bushes. And it was funny to me because, you know, you got your normal, like little, you know, kind of barn. Have you ever seen that and gone, what's up with the, who owns the barn? What's going on with that? And then we're, we're going to get to that in a moment. But you have this, and then you've got a couple of weird, skinny, older guys, I guess, kind of having a hard time standing up. Is that the Magi? Why do they have to be so old? It was a, like a six-month walking trip. They seem to be in decent shape. What's the deal? Um, and uh, then you've got, I think, a set of parents that look shockingly well-rested. But you've got that. Mom's there standing up. You're like, I don't think so. And then the baby Jesus, in this case, looks kind of like this very young Marlon Brando, like Godfather, sitting on this kind of concrete chair. He's like, you come to me in the day of my birth. Like, it, it, he, it looks like, if you've seen the Renaissance paintings where babies kind of look like really ugly old people, like they're like mid-50s, mid-40s, but they're on a bit. They look kind of weird. That's why I think where a lot of the horror movie inspiration came from. Those old Renaissance pictures are wild. That The baby Jesus kind of looked like that. And I, look, I remember driving and I'm going, I'm just not like, oh my goodness, the Prince of Peace. Let's go tell that on the mountain, right? Like it's just not that inspiring. And the truth of it is, is and, and, and it, not very historically accurate either, as we're going to find. But the truth of it is, is that there's an enormous amount of money to be made in changing the story. And if you're not careful, and this theme's going to come through, if you're not careful, is that repetition will begin to replace truth. It's one of the most powerful things that God has built about our psychology. That's why community is so incredibly powerful. That's why repetition's powerful. The power of music and worship. Almost all the songs, psalms that we have in the Bible were, 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 were song and they were transmitted historically by song and not written for a long time before they were penned by, we think, probably Moses during that period. Sorry, by, sorry, Ezra later on. So what we see is, as we've got this, an enormous amount of things that there's something powerful about memory. There's something powerful about repetition. And if we're not careful... If you give the paintbrush to culture, it will paint the picture of God and Jesus for you. And by repetition, you'll begin to believe it. And then we're going to look in Luke chapter 2. And what we're going to try to do again, in just a different picture, we've been kind of looking around the different characters a few weeks ago. If you remember, we talked about Joseph and the Magi. Uh, Last week, we, uh, we we were... we've just been taking these different views of it. To me, it's been really powerful. Next week, we're going to have, we're going to talk about Christmas through heaven's eyes, which is going to be another, we got, I'm enjoying my Bible study. I don't know if you're enjoying this. I've been enjoying it. Um, And it's helping me a lot. It encourages me a lot. But what we're going to do is we're going to read in Luke chapter two, this, the scene and the picture. And I want to encourage you in your mind to kind of I'm just curious what kind of story, what kind of movie is playing in your mind as we read it. 
And we'll come back to that story in a moment. But the story and that kind of movie picture, I don't know, but, you know, to me, I, I often think in kind of almost like movie scenes. I don't know if you guys are that way. Some people are different. Some people are like, man, I, I hear sounds and I see colors like synesthesia. I'm like, I, that's wild. My wife's an artist. She can literally in her mind paint, repaint a whole room and rearrange it. And I'm like, I can't do that. Some of us think different way, but as we're looking and we're reading the Bible, we're reading stories, how you picture this movie in your head, it actually matters. And we'll come back to that in a moment. Read with me. We're going to pick it up in Luke chapter 2, verse 1. We're going to read this passage together. We all together this morning? Amen. Great. And if you're picturing a very a three-year-old Marlon Brando, you're probably picturing it wrong. Uh, but Luke chapter 2. I I just love that. You come to me at the day of my birth. I'm like, this freaks me out. All right, verse one, let's read together. In those days, and I'm reading from the NIV, the 1984 version. And if you're reading with a newer one, take note, there's going to be a couple of words that are a little different. We're going to touch base on that in just a moment. Pick up me verse chapter one, sorry, Luke chapter two, verse one. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. And this was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. Now that's King David. If many of us know that story, maybe if you haven't read the Bible a lot, this, the lineage, they trace it back. It's a royal family lineage. That matters a lot. In verse 5, it says, He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child, which is problematic in a small country backwater town, yeah? While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. And she wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no room for them at in the inn. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. And today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you you will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And then suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. And when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. They had seen him. They spread the word concerning what had been told to them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen which were just as they had been told. It's an amazing story, huh? 
We talked about this in the last couple of weeks. It really would make for an unbelievable Steven Spielberg, Tom Hanks, like eight-part miniseries. Like Band of Brothers style, like full-blown. If you've ever seen that, it's like an amazing show. We love, we just watched it, so it's been on our mind. We're incredibly well done. I could visualize what's happening here. But I wonder in the that's in your mind, that the, the movie you were watching, uh, kind of a, you know, paint that picture in your head. I wonder if it's something like the movies we've seen. How many of us love Christmas movies? Okay, do any of us have like a tradition, like one you watch every year? Okay, what, okay what, which one are some of the... Come on, you know, the national, okay, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation is a cautionary tale, maybe, about Christmas, about, you know what I mean, it's, it's educational, for sure, and yeah, what, what, a Christmas carol, that, it's, that's like old school, anybody ever remember watching, uh, what is it, is it called, the, is it the Christmas story, you'll shoot your eye out, right, I mean, it's great. That guy grew up. I think they just, I think did like a sequel with him and his kids. I didn't see that one. Oh, the one that we watch in our family, maybe you've seen this one, it's called The Star. It's an animated one and it's all, okay, of course Melinda's shaking her head. There's a kindred spirit about us. The whole thing is on, it's the whole story about, about Mary and Joseph going to Bethlehem, but it's all through the, the eyes of the animals. And it's actually, and all of these, and the, all the voice actors, like Oprah is like one of the camels. You know what I'm saying? Like, like they got, I mean, they got big names and I'm like, they're just a camel. They're, you know, they're just, they're just happy to be a part of the story. It is awesome. It's hilarious. And it's probably like the story you're used to seeing. So tell me if this sounds a little bit like the, the, the story, the video that was playing in your head as we read this. You've got Mary and Joseph, which are obviously young, probably preteens, maybe entering teens are very young. They are pledged to be married, but haven't been together. And she's pregnant by the Holy Spirit, wink, wink, right? And every, but every dad would believe that story. <laughs> Holy Spirit, yeah, yeah, I had some of that in high school, yeah. No, that's not going to fly. Small country town, they've got to go and make a trip. She's almost ready to deliver, and they are walking. They have at least a full day's walk, which if you've ever been pregnant or known someone pregnant, like long distance walking isn't normally what they're going to do. So they're walking. Maybe there's a camel. Maybe, you know, maybe there's a donkey. We, 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 there's so much of the story, but they're walking. And they show up. And Joseph, being the young husband he is, forgot to make the reservation. It's like, I don't know. It's something like, is that, I mean, McPherson at the local Motel 6. No all they show up in my head it's kind of like danny devito with like a half you know chew up stogie in his mouth no room get out like and this and the innkeeper because there's no room in the inn no one's got room for this young teenage mom to be now mind you their family is just a few kilometers up the road they were just visiting them but what joseph young young husband he is we're not going to call mom or dad-in-law that would be ridiculous they won't go to family, won't rely on anybody, and won't ask for directions, right? And they show in, and no one will give them room. So what do they do? Like the innkeeper directs them to a barn out in the middle of the field. It's like breaking and entering. Who owns the barn? And there's shepherds nearby in the fields, but don't hear a baby crying or a woman in labor? 
and they watch out for wolves and lions and can't hear that? You see how the story's details, you start thinking it through, but you can imagine we kind of have this picture and then they show up and I guess there's a hole in the barn where she had isn't any crying. She's happy. The baby, Jesus being perfect, he doesn't cry either. Comes out, everybody, he just breathes, doesn't cry, breathes in, healthy baby. And there's a hole, I guess, in the roof thatching where like the star's light starts shining down. That's what happens in the star anyway. Is this in the ballpark of what you're visioning in your head? And I kind of, I'm obviously being funny, but in some ways, this is kind of the movie that's been created for us in some ways. And the problem with this is that almost none of it is true. And this picture has been painted largely by our culture, and it's not just a Western thing. We'll get back to this in a second. But the problem isn't just that it's not true. There's a second problem. One is that this story doesn't do much for you the day after Christmas. It's not that inspiring. It's actually kind of sad, huh? Like, goodness sakes, like you're in the middle of town, like no one, like even in 21st century, everyone would go, I know you're a stranger, but you're about to go into labor. Like at least like we put this woman in, in, in like, we can, we can make room somewhere for her, can't we? I mean, you know, I got a friend. We'll put, you know, they, but no, it's a barn, right? With all the animals. And the third problem is, is that it's incredibly hard to understand who the real God is and what the real lessons are if you don't got the right picture. And this gets particularly important when things get hard for us and we start challenging and questioning who God is. And why is it so hard? And why is the story not going the way I wanted it to. Does that make sense, family? Getting the story, it actually matters. It matters immensely. And not just on Christmas morning. So what's the real story here? Okay, we're going to pop in. I'm going to put on my teacher hat for a little bit. Tim Boland came and grabbed me after church last week. He goes, anytime, anytime you want to talk about archaeology, bro, I'm in. And I was like, I don't know if everyone in the Wichita Church feels exactly like Tim. Oh, archaeology, sign me up. I love that. I do. It helps me. Because the truth of it is, as we dig into the scriptures, especially being the historian, there are so many details that he, and as a historian, the more facts, the more names, the more cities, the more risk there is because you can be wrong. And what we're reading in the book of Luke and what we're reading in Matthew is not written in the language of mythology. It's written in the language of history. We're not reading Harry Potter. And there's so many TikToks and there's so much challenge. And I think the younger, those of us, I'm going to put myself in the the younger generation. I got one foot on each side of that chasm right now. You know, the, the mustache puts me in the mature group. They're like, how old are you, bro? And I'm like, amen. But TikTok, Instagram, if any of you see this kind of anti-theist and these arguments, these like 12-second arguments about this made-up story about this fictional baby Jesus in the middle of nowhere, and the, history, the truth of it is that not only is incredibly bad Bible study, it's, it's bad history. And they've said this many, many years. When archaeologists go out and dig, they have their toolkit in one hand, and even unbelieving archaeologists have a Bible in the other. It is by no, no stretch of the imagination, a hundredfold more accurate than any ancient text we have. And there's no one to compare to. Nothing. But as we dig in and we see these facts and we start actually figuring out what is this story, what are we reading? It's incredibly faith-building. 
and it's inspiring. So what is it here? One, anybody, so here in, 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 in Luke chapter two, let's, we're going to look at a couple of details and then we'll swing back around and we'll bring this in for a landing. One, in verse seven, when it says in the second half, it says she wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Does anybody have a newer version? What's the word? There's no guest room. And I'll be honest, I've studied two and a half years of ancient Greek. I usually have a problem when most teachers and preachers go, well, the word in Greek means this. Oftentimes in context, Ken did a great job today. That's not what I'm talking about. But a lot of times what we can do is we can begin to use an isolated word and talk ourselves out of what the words really mean. And we think in 21st century, well, no, 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 I looked that up on Google. I am smarter than a hundred language experts that have translated the Bible. It's kind of funny. But the truth of it is, Language translation, it is difficult in ancient text. This word now was changed from the word in, kataluma is the word in Greek, to now guest room because it paints the wrong picture for us in the way we would consider an inn. We think like Motel 6 in the middle of like, so we would have Fort Stockton. We were in Texas for about 15 years. Literally, if you drive west from San Antonio, like five or six, was it five hours, almost five hours? You enter Fort Stockton. Fort Stockton is a place that you hopefully will only drive through. There's a sign of like fill up gas now. It's like 250 miles from the next gas station. It's something ridiculous. There's nothing. Tumbleweeds don't go out there. There's like nothing. So we'd all joke of like what we're talking about is like they show up in the middle of, you know, Fort Stockton, right? Nowhere. The hotel, the Motel 6 has got no room. That can be the picture. That's actually not what's happening. Because in the Old Testament, sorry, in in kind of like New Testament Tech times and just at the tail end of the Old Testament period, what we have is the homes in the middle and middle age or the uh, excuse me the Middle Eastern area are not like the ones we're used to living in, where we have the barns typically outside. The houses we're almost almost entirely talking about here might look something like maybe about one room major room about the size of our stage, and they might be elevated a couple of steps just like this maybe. One more step. And what would happen is because they had one room, they often, this was their main room. This is actually old frontier homes. My, my home I grew up in, I think was built in 1916 or 1908. And the, the original house was one big, great room. And it had, you know, it had a fireplace on one side. Some of us in some older homes like that. That was very similar to what their house would be. But now you had, if you imagined that the house was this, sorry, my back to you here this whole stage would have been the main the main room of the home and they would have had a guest room a cataluma and in one developing worlds two middle eastern culture and three in the line of david in bethlehem they were it was known for legendary hospitality and so you have this huge diaspora, this, this spread out group of people that are coming back into Bethlehem for the census. And what he's saying is everyone has given away every guest room. There are no more guest rooms. They're so hospitable. There's no more guest rooms. And there are not, there aren't mangers in the guest room. The mangers, for those of us who are, we were getting a lesson. We had, we had Alyssa in Israel over the other night. They stuck around and they gave, they educated us about, about sheep. And it's actually fascinating. I was like, I got a good illustration here. We're going to keep that in the back pocket. It was great. But I don't even know. Do they call them mangers still? Israel would because he's so biblical. I mean, biblical name, deep convictions. A manger in this house 
would be in a short entry level once you immediately walked into the door before you got to the steps. There was a portion where you brought the animals in from outside and dug into usually the wood or the clay or whatever you're using, maybe ground for the floor, was dug out in a bowl shape and that is a manger where you would put the sheep or the cow's food. And it did two things. It kept your animal because it's in the walls. And the more they ate, the more they would warm up the rest of the room. Fascinating? And if you've ever been out in the desert and, and, and at nighttime, especially in the winter, man, it gets cold. And so these mangers was where they would put the food keep and keep, and keep the, the animals safe. Does that make sense? Does that visual make sense? And so in those mangers is also where, if you were pretty poor, blue-collar farmers, that's also where you would put your babies. They were a little bit as a pram, as a crib. Makes sense. And so these details begin to paint a different picture. Why, why this? Why the manger? What is the message? It isn't because Danny DeVito, the innkeeper, threw him out into the cold barn that's open, doesn't even have walls out there with the animals. No, 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 that, that's not it at all. Where you have mangers is in your, in your family's living room. And so no, no, it's not a picture that this young teen couple were thrown out of the field to just, no, 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 that, that almost this meta-narrative, this larger story of that even as a baby, Jesus rejected from the beginning and you know, he in the cold fighting for his life. That's not it at all. Actually, the, in Bethlehem, they were so hospitable and they had given away all their guest rooms. Some family said, no, 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 you're not going to be out in the cold. You're coming in with my family this morning. You're going to be where my kids were put when I had them. Men, clear out. The women, we're coming in. We're going to help this woman have her baby and we are going to treat her like she's one of ours. That's the picture. Legendary hospitality. People who were poor, People who had no money to give. They had cloth. They didn't have satin. This wasn't silk. This was blue collar. This was you and me. This was average Joe. That's where the king of kings was. And so as the angel, as we talked about it last week, with likely 10,000 times 10,000. By the way, 10,000 is about the largest number the Greeks had. So when we see this in Revelation, you're talking about a, 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 a huge number, an uncountable amount. So when you see these heavenly hosts and the angels show up to the shepherds and the, and the sky breaks open, you can visualize that this is the largest standing army humanity has ever seen. The angelic army is standing at attention, and this will make way more sense next Sunday. And they're standing and they're saying, glory to the highest. Yeah, peace on earth whom his favor rests because you'll deal with his wrath and a hundred million angels if you don't get on his side. The king has come. And they're standing and you see this visual. And so the shepherds are hearing, but what is the sign that the most important morning of human history has occurred? You're going to go in and you're going to find the King of Kings, the glorious one, the prophesied Messiah, he's going to be in a crib just like yours. In cloths, in a manger, we're going to push aside the sheep and this very collar family is going to wrap up the King of Kings like it was their own baby boy. And they might have never met before that morning. So we talk about us needing to find our faith in God. How much 
faith does God have in you and me and in humanity to take care of his only son? Does that make sense? I'm trying to repaint the picture a bit. What's funny is this, this doesn't just happen in Western culture. My, our kids, um, you know, I've, we, we go by that, uh, the St. George's Orthodox Church, and they have a lot of icons. They got paintings and, and kind of really cool old artwork. And one of this is, happens in the Eastern culture and it's Orthodox Church as well. That anybody actually know the kind of story and the picture of where Jesus is born in with Mary in Eastern, most of the Eastern like kind of tradition? It was actually that he was born in a cave. And so kind of the story is, and some of this is because some Middle Eastern homes actually had their kind of garage manger outside, built maybe in the side of a, of a hill. So it was kind of a mini cave that was there. Does that make sense? I don't know if you can visualize that. That's almost certainly not this area and not this time frame. But the picture that had been painted is Joseph was going into Bethlehem to get wet nurses to come help. And that actually the kind of the myth, that story that developed was that Mary had Jesus by herself alone in this cave. And in fact, there was this kind of this Apollo, you know, theologians, Orthodox guy who wrote this poem about how incredible Mary was. And she was incredible, but almost that she was this super mom and this almost supernaturally powerful woman that bore the son of God alone. And no one was there to witness it, but her and him. So it isn't just America and the U.S. and the Western culture that rewrites this. All cultures can do this. But again, repetition, if we're not careful, will replace truth. Do you want to know the truth? Or do you want a better picture that has been painted or you have been painting? Do you want the real son of God or do you want one made in your image? Because your idol cannot save you. There is no peace on earth through some idol or picture of a Jesus that you and I make. It's the true king of kings. He's the one that brings the way that leads to freedom and peace. And not just on this side of judgment, but for all eternity. But we've got to care. We've got to want to know what this says. We've got to want to know what the truth is. And we've got to let it transform us. What's What's fascinating to me is we talked about this last week. If you weren't here, we talked about the shepherds. If you were going to start a global movement that had to last at least 2,000 years and you need the first people, you're, you're, we got some so we got some marketing folks in here. Some of us done social media marketing. You guys are familiar. The shepherds at this point were likely preteens, maybe teens, or they could have been elderly. That is possible, but they're likely young folks. They were certainly unclean, not just they didn't smell good because they hadn't been showering. They were religiously unclean and could not go to the temple. If literally the son of God would have been taken to the Holy of Holies, which would have been reasonable since he's the one that is the Holy of Holies. They couldn't have showed up to worship him that morning. They wouldn't have been allowed into church. And these guys are as blue collars it gets poor. They're out there. Probably most of the sheep that they're tending are actually the village's sheep. They would have, they would have been, there's been a, there was a lot of community, a lot of shepherding together. And they would have been out there and almost no one would have cared about them. They wouldn't have, they're, I would assume not terribly social. The only children among us know when you don't spend time around people for 18 years, you get kind of weird. <laughs> these shepherds are hanging out. I mean, there's like two of them out in the middle of a field and sheep, sheep are social-ish, but the, you know what I mean? 
And there, and, and you've seen Castaway. When you don't have friends, you make friends. You know what I'm saying? And yeah, I mean, so they're out there and the angels show up and they go, first guys that are going to announce it, the first angelos, the first messengers of the good news, the evangelion, the good newsing, these messengers showed up, go, who are going to be the first angels on earth? The, the messengers to spread the news. It's these, these preteens and teens that are unclean. They're not even led into church. They don't have money. Guys, you're the ones that are going to see this. No one else has seen the glory like this. No one else has heard the message. Go find this out. And they immediately go and they see. And what this thread and the story is, friends, is that as we begin to see what the true story is of Christmas morning, is that we start to see God's character come out. And not just how unbelievably powerful, but how unbelievably faithful and trusting he is in you and me. A hundred million angels. He could have sent an angel to every person and go, get up, we've got the news for you. That's not how he did it. No, he grabbed he grabbed the youngest, the most dismissed, the poorest among them, and said, Guys, I've got something to show you. Go take a look. And it transformed them so significantly. Their their social economic status their rejection, their age, none of it would stop them from telling the entire region about the news that they had seen about that baby boy. It's incredible. Friends, and the, the last thing I want to say is that the background of this entire story is not as joyful as we want it to be. During this time, who was ruling that area that era actually caesar augustus is the one that's the emperor which we talked last week about the calendar you guys remember the calendar description of priene there'll be a quiz at the end of church today uh no he talked about how it was actually the birthday message for caesar augustus then called octavian announcing him him as the god emperor that will bring peace to all people that will bring apart a new chapter of humanity which didn't come because 17 years or 18 years later he was dismissed and somebody else came in that's how the world's empires work. And God's announcing, no, 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 the real God, the real King of Kings, the real promised one is coming. But in the background, who's governor of that area, who's king of this area of where Jesus is living is King Herod. And there's a reason why you are very, it's very unlikely you will ever find a young boy named Herod. People don't, we, we, name, we don't name our kids Judas and we don't name our kids Herod. You know what I mean? For his reason. Herod was an incredibly despicable dude. And not only had he killed people in his own family this time, the reason why Herod was ruling is because he was on the other side of the battle between Julius Caesar, Cleopatra, and Mark Antony. So one of Mark Antony's generals, one of his best friends, and they lost. And one of the first things Herod did after losing the battle is he came to Caesar and said, appoint me as a leader. And he goes, why? Are you kidding me? I should kill you. You, you were the number one general fighting against me. And he goes, don't remember who my friends will remember the kind of friend I was. And he goes, fine enough. There you go. Take this area of Judea. But he was an ugly dude. Not only did he assassinate people in his own family, pitting his kids against him, it was a mess. He would kill 
and exterminate all of the young boys in that period just to protect his own throne. So the backdrop in which Jesus is born into is not time. There's fear. Even the government around them, there's, the, there's this culture of rape and sexual assault and violence and murder and, and distrust. And, and it's so much corruption. It's just terribly unstable, terribly difficult. They're enslaved to the Roman Empire, incredibly impoverished. The political environment around them is incredibly divided. Do you think we could take some inspiration from that? And that God didn't wait for peacetime. It was right in the middle of the worst kind of leadership that he, in that he brings down the king of kings. He didn't spare his son the full weight of our challenges. Jesus gets what it's like to grow up like you and me. The struggles, the division, the racism, the socioeconomic division, the, the political stuff, the division, the, 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 the distrust, the corruption. J- Jesus goes, man, I, I get it all, man. I, I, that's when he steps into the history books. And this morning, I wonder what kind of picture you've been painting in your head about Christmas morning. I, I wonder what, what, what's, been, what's been there for you. Has it been the picture of, is it the star? Is it, is it National Lampoon's Christmas vacation? Is, is that the picture of Christmas morning for you? And I want to encourage you this morning, if it is, to rewrite that picture with the correct one because the truth is more inspiring and it's more powerful and it's better than fiction. What do we do with all this? So a few takeaways I want to throw out there and then we're going to pray and we'll have one last song. I think, what are some of the lessons? One is that everyone has a place in the story. Everyone. It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter how young. It doesn't matter how much money you have or don't have. It doesn't matter your talents. It doesn't matter if you are a foreign immigrant. Goodness sakes, everyone is in the picture around Jesus on his birth the best of what they've got everyone has an important place in the history but the thing is friends you got to decide to show up you got to be there and you got to bring what you can bring what gifts do you bring and i don't just mean money and contribution but i think at this time of the year it is a convicting thought to think about how much how much money do i spend on gifts how much debt Have you allowed to creep into your life because of your own consumerism or just the desire to give gifts and be seen as generous? And do you look at the gifts you bring to Jesus and go, oh, I I, I bring more to the King of Kings. Does that make sense, family? It is a convicting point, but it's an important one for us to examine because the King, I mean, literally God himself gave the most treasured possession, his only son to us. He never holds back. It is challenging. And you won't outgive God, right? That's an important point to think about. I think another thing is that Jesus transforms the world through regular people like you and me. The most unlikely people are chosen in the story of the way that Jesus would start a movement that would not end. It starts with a couple of young, almost certain, unclean, very irreligious, or at least disconnected, Unable to go to church, young dudes out in the middle of a field. That's the first guys inviting people out. That's incredible to me. 
The first witnesses of the risen Jesus would be two women that two women that wouldn't even be allowed. Sorry, a woman, Mary, would not be allowed to be a witness in a Roman court. But in God's court, she was the first chief witness to the resurrected Jesus. Jesus uses people like you and me, people that the world think cannot be used. He uses them to change the world and to change families and to change souls. And I think there's this last story, this last point though, to me. And there's an ironic thing is that the the last song we're going to sing is go tell it on the mountain. And those of us that have been around our church, one of the things that we we believe deeply in is discipleship about being in one another's lives. That we, we live together, we live life together. But one of the other things that we know is that Jesus tells one of the, the last words, his great commission is to go make disciples of all nations. And some of us go, that, that's an ICOC thing. That's a Wichita church thing. That's an old school thing. And what's wild to me is that the first people, these young boys, these shepherds that were told to go see Jesus, there was no commandment to go share what they had seen. They were told to go and see, not go and tell. But what they saw in that manger and what they saw with that prophesied Messiah, they told the whole region around them. My question is, do you still have something worth sharing? Is the story of Jesus and the way he's worked and what you've seen, has what you've seen made you feel like, I I have to say something. Of course I would say. Do you have something worth sharing? And and that isn't meant to be like a shameful, convicting point. I, I, I find myself going, man, if I... If I don't have anything to share, that makes me wonder, has God gotten less glorious or have I gotten more distant? Does that make sense? Because when I'm in the Bible, when I'm close to God, like, man, everyone's got to know this. Marriages would change. Families would change. Guys who are drinking, guys who are upset, the adulterous, people who are sleeping around, people that were just like me, transform when they see Jesus. It changed the world 2,000 years ago, and it's still changing the world today. Amen. I'm sh- I want to end with this short kind of story. I want to highlight, some of us know Alex Tauke in here, not just because he has a legendary mustache, <laughs> which he does, has served in the inspiration for my mediocre attempt here. But Alex has been studying the Bible. He didn't know I was going to share this about him. It's been an absolute inspiring time getting with Alex. And Alex had gone to church for a while, but he started studying the Bible a few months back. He grabbed me on Wednesday, and he's like, did you know this the whole time? It's great. I love it. It's like, what? They're like, what Jesus is teaching, and man, he's died for us, bro. We got, I didn't get baptized. I mean, this is awesome. You, you guys know this the whole time? And I was like, well, yeah, kind of. You know what I mean? Yeah, we, that's why we're here, baby. It's like, dude, this is amazing. Why didn't you tell me? I'm like, we've... Well, we kind of have been, uh, we've been trying We're, you know, and what I love about this is I studied the Bible in 10 days. It's been a few weeks, maybe 10 weeks, maybe a little longer than that with Alex. Some of us, it was 10 months. Some of us, it was 10 or 20 years of people pouring out to you. And what I want to tell you is that this message about this good news that will bring great joy for all people, it changed the Palestinian and the Judean world, but it's still changing our world today. Is it still changing you? Because the real story, it's better than fiction. The real Jesus, it changes lives. And if you're like, Jeff, I've been changed. 
I said Jesus is Lord a few decades ago. Jesus didn't say that you take up your cross one day. You take it up every day and follow him. And I think some of us maybe as 2023 is very happily being brought to a close. Some of us are maybe a little bit more joyful for New Year's this year. I know I, anybody feeling like ready, I'm ready to close the calendar on 2023 and just move on. Maybe we should leave a few things behind in 2023 as we open up a new year. Let's open up the real story of Jesus, his birth, the promises, this God that has wrote this story, and he's written in a place in that story for you and me. But we got to show up. We got to bring our best, best, and we got to let it transform us personally so that we have something to tell the world. And I hope that you will go tell it on the mountain when you leave today. I'm going to ask the singers to come on up. We're going to say a prayer and sing one last song, and that'll be our service for Christmas. Let's pray together. Holy Father, thank you so much for your son's birth and for that we have, we have men and women 2,000 years ago, like Luke, that, that went to the ends of the world to chase down these eyewitness stories and we are inspired by them still. That these shepherds who, who went and saw the manger and they saw the baby in it and then they had something to say. I pray that all of us have something to say. And if we feel challenged by that, that we grab someone in here and that we, we find that, that, that joy, that great joy. Father, this is good news. Your son's birth is great news for all of us. And I pray this morning, Father, uh, and today and tomorrow as we're opening gifts and as we're, we're hugging and we're smiling, maybe as we're shedding tears, as we're opening up our Bible, maybe we're praying for the first time in many, many months, maybe years wrestling with grief and loss or shame or we feel like we've been better than ever before father that we come back to you not just to the cross but we come back to the manger and everybody is even in front of you that you are the king of kings that legions of angels stand at attention because they get you glory they get your perfection and goodness god we want to get it too thank you father for showing yourself thank you earth thank you for giving us a reason to celebrate this season that these songs that we sing they don't just we just don't sing them loudly through christmas day but it's a story that continues to transform us every other day of the year we love you and we praise you it's in jesus name we pray. amen, amen. amen. please stand